Welcome to Amplified. We're the show that will help you take your message, whatever it may be, and get it out through social media, networking, and other marketing channels. Maybe even some that you've never thought of. Whether you're an organization, small or large business, or you just have the next positive message that's sure to go viral, you'll want to stay tuned this hour. Now, here's your host, Ken Rashawn. Welcome, welcome, Ken Rashawn, our influencer channel, Amplified Voice America, live in DC area, and uh, I'm so excited about today's show. Uh, we have a phenomenal guest, one we met through Secret Knock, and thank you, Dr. Andrea, for making those connections happen, continue yeah. to happen. Yeah, it's been uh, several years since we met him, and we'll introduce him in just a moment. We'll kind of leave you with a tease here. And Ken, you had something to celebrate that you showed us pre-screen. Do you want to share that now? Well, I, I, in a way, I want to show it live uh, to Butch and have him fake his excitement because okay, I actually there was a showed teaser. it before. We know his first name. <laughs> <There's Butch. laughs> there it is. That is the teaser. <laughs> All right. Well, we can wait. And by I the, the way, uh, for those of you... For those of you, wait, wait, for those of you who can read and you're saying, you know, our guest looks very fontish, there is a little bit of a teaser as to what his name is. So we'll just give you that little teaser too. All right, hit it with the sponsors. Well, we want to thank Voice America Influencers Channel, the Red Carpet Connection. <laughs> the Umbrella Syndicate. I see you're uh, you, uh, drinking out of your Manny Chat. Uh, we covered Manny Chat years ago. I always get excited for the memories that uh, Ken shares when he drinks out of his coffee cups. We also want to thank menfashion.com. That's M-E-N fashion.com for the lovely shirts that Ken wears on these programs. MyMakeupLady.com, Lynn Benavides, and Perfect Publishing. So awesome. So thank you, everyone. And don't forget the KeepSmilingMovement.com. In fact, please remember, remember us because we save lives by creating smiles with a dose of hope, helping people to be resilient in challenging times, a mental and dental health organization. So your donations and contributions to us help us share the love with people all over the world. And we have always asked in 2021 for you to visit our site and make a donation. So there's something we have left out, and that is... There's a ton of stuff on that site, like an ability to share your inspiring story valued at $36,000. Or if you just want to get the book, it is normally $49. It's yours for free as an ebook. If you want to get uh, Andrea's birthday book, these are all empowering women. Amazing. By the way, look how thick that is. Ken has been doing well, it's, that it's as a surprise 365 pages. For me. I yeah. know he's been surprising me and doing this an amazing, amazing book. So very excited. about. Well, what the point is we have books, we have cards, we have information to events to meet wonderful people like our guest today. Can't let his name out yet. And I hope no one can <laughs> his name on his, on his iPhone. But um, I came up with a new <laughs> word. I came up with a new word I'm going to put into possibly the no nonsense nonsense book. And that is when someone comes to you for a Zoom call and they can't figure out how to un- um, unclick the video part, yeah. their name stays on there. And so you can say they look very fontish, very fontish. So that's a very ah. nice new word. 
So um, I do have him. So they won't be able to see him. We have him on the view of that. If he's not on camera, he's not going to be on the screen. So so I'm glad you said that because I'm like, I don't know what Ken means. So I'm glad Ken explained that. So on Ken's screen, he can see who our guest is as far as he'll see a black screen and see their name on the screen that you're seeing. You're not seeing that because he is invisible to you. So there you go. That explains everything. And then I have, an, I have another word. So I am uh, second week, second word. I'm not promising it's going to be every week I come up with a new word, but second word, you know how COVID has a new strain almost every couple months to keep us guessing what's going to happen next, sometimes every, every week. <clears throat> so I have morphed a word that is basically encompassing of all strains of COVID. Are you ready for okay, it? Okay, tell me, tell me. It's called the Coviticon. The Coviticon covers all strains in the past, current, and coming. The COVID. Oh, well, we could have a Coviticon conference and everybody can wear a different mask depending on which on which, which strain that they were they either had. affected yeah. by or who they're rooting for, which strain they were rooting exactly. for, or which one they beat, I guess. Yeah, yeah that's a good which idea. One they beat. That's a good All right, one. well, we have a full show, so let's bring on uh, Sir Butch, as it were. I, I will. And I oh, did by the way, you know- this is, do you do this? I have a mug for every day. So this is, this is Manny Chat Mondays. Manny Chat Monday. Okay. Because I, I mean, I, I squirted <clears throat> and I bought seven mugs so I could have a cup of coffee without doing the dishes all week if I needed to. So a shout out to Mike, Mikhail Yang. Uh, is that no Wang? Wait, what's his last name? I forget. Yang. 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 Thank you. Uh, Manny Chat, which is a great um, artificial intelligence chatbot so uh, system. So uh, that was so much fun to be at his event several years. All right. So um, I did want to let people know that um, there is going to be a Keep Smiling pop up in Newport Beach this mm-hmm. week. There's also going to be one in LA. And then uh, this weekend, I'm going to be seeing our guest at the Hollywood show on Friday. I'll tell you who that guest is in just a second. And then this weekend, I'll be at Prosperity Camp with Dr. Grade Reed and so many other amazing people. So we'll have some follow-up on that on Monday. And then the following week, I'll be at two events in Utah. So uh, Keep Smiling will be on the road again, doing some pop-ups, getting some pictures of people in the past. If you hear I'm going to be in that area and we don't have your picture yet, reach out to us so that we can make sure that your Keep Smiling picture is chronicled in our birthday books and in the dose of hope so let hey, me tell uh, you is, uh, it, when are you meeting uh kenny aronoff uh hopefully kenny and i are meeting on friday and if we don't meet on friday next weekend i'll be meeting him in chicago so we have Great. a couple play dates scheduled awesome awesome <laughs> so i am going to ask our guest to come off camera so you can see his handsome face while i tell you a little bit about sir butch who is actually Butch Patrick. He is an amazing man. He's an actor. He began began his professional acting career at the age of seven years old. So you may have seen him many moons ago, or maybe just yesterday on uh, MeTV or classic television for his role as the child werewolf Eddie Munster, and he was on the CBS comedy television series, The Munsters, from 1964 to um, 1966, and then he was in a film. He's done other multiple amazing things. He's also a musician. He's done all kinds of really cool stuff, and he's been traveling the world doing some pretty cool things, and we are so excited to have him here, and we're just going to bring him on live because it's more fun to talk with him than about him, so Butch, welcome to 
the show. And just as a reminder to let people know, I happen to own a Munsters pinball machine. So I actually have Eddie that I can see as a child uh, on this pinball machine on a regular basis. <laughs> Welcome, Eddie. Well, I mean, Mr. Patrick. <laughs> uh, it's okay. I answered Eddie. How you doing? <laughs> good, good. So I can't imagine how trepidatious and fearful you are of coming into the camera in the Zoom of Amplified after all these years. <laughs> I got the jitters. <laughs> well, Ken, Ken was worried about that for you. <laughs> well, uh, Butch, I'm, I always like to give a shout out that uh, we wouldn't know you as well as we do without Dr. Greg Reed and his amazing secret knock, which is also prosperity camp and so many other opportunities to connect with disruptors, innovators, streamers, and inspirers. So I just want to give a quick thank you to him. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, cool. So, um, so many questions. We obviously are excited to have you added to one of our 500 authors. Uh, you'd be right around number 251, believe it or not. And a lot, we have probably 10% of them from secret knock. So um, you will be in good company, and these are all people we've deemed to cause smiles and hope every single day. If you read their story, you say, wow, if they could get through whatever they got through, I guess I can keep going. So uh, we're going to find out a little bit about some of the things you had to do to become the person you are, but I want to start off by asking where you were born and what your childhood was like, especially since it sped into being a superstar. Uh, well, I was uh, born in the wonderful year 1953. Uh, August 2nd in Inglewood, California, about maybe seven or eight miles from where I'm sitting right now, even though I don't live full time in California anymore. I grew up in the South Bay area. Um, pretty much regular kid situation, you know, my, my, my aunts and uncles, grandma's house, the whole nine yards, going to public schools. And um, uh, when I was in the second grade, the uh, a friend of my mom's was an aspiring talent agent who wanted to open up the first child agency in Hollywood. And her name was Mary Grady. And she went on to, to head up the powerhouse agency, MGA, which went on to have hundreds and hundreds of kids that uh, went on to do great things. And I was like next to her son, who was Don Grady, Robbie on my three sons. Uh, I believe I was her first paying client. Let's put it that way. Her first regular kid before she took on several other Johnny Whitaker, Aaron Moran, lots and lots of more, lots of other kids. But I was in there right at the get go when she opened the doors. And um, what had happened, um, my sister, my younger sister was up for a photo shoot to maybe do some print modeling. She was about two or three years old, I think three years old at the time. And I went along for the ride. Uh, basically there wasn't a babysitter around. I was seven years old. So my mom took me along for the ride. And after they were done shooting this gentleman, his studio, uh, the gentleman's name was Amos Carr, who at that time was the number one kid photographer in Hollywood, up in Hollywood Boulevard. So he took a couple of pictures of me for his own files, put one of them in the window of his studio. And uh, it's not quite Lana Turner at Schwab's drugstore story, but it's similar that a producer and a director happened to be walking by and we're casting a movie, still looking for the youngest son of Eddie Albert and Jane Wyatt. Hadn't cast it. Saw my photo and thought, well, he's got a look that would perfectly. And they tracked me down and uh, Mary, you know, they found out who I was and how to reach me. And Mary Grady called up and said, do you think Butch would like to go on an interview to my mom? And my mom asked me and I said, yeah, sure. You know, why not? And I wound up getting the part and went to work for six weeks. By the end of six weeks, I had done a Kellogg's Corn Flakes commercial, and right after the movie was over, I picked up General Hospital and then The Real McCoys, and 
Untouchables, Ben Casey, Rawhide, you know, just mm -hmm. the process started. That's amazing. Now, the pilot uh, uh, did not include you, obviously, or they would have already known your name. And there were several people in the pilot of the Munsters that did get the part. Is that correct? Yeah. Well, the Munsters, um, the, excuse me, the, the Munsters basically first out was Billy Moomy was offered the part. I wasn't living in Hollywood at the time. I had, I had completed the real McCoys and I had gone back. This is four years later, three years later, three and a half years later. So I had gone back to live with my grandmother in Illinois, a little town called Geneseo, which I enjoyed very much. But during that time, Bill Moomy turned the part down. They had hired a happy Derman that actually did the pilot with a woman named Joan Marshall, who played the character as Phoebe Munster, not Lily. Um, the network saw it liked it gave it the green light but they said we'd like to recast the mother and the kid uh so they brought in yvonne DiCarlo, who did a wonderful bang-up job as lily munster mm -hmm. major our name attached to the tv show which helped and then i got the part of eddie and um so literally several things had to come into play to make uh the character mine for the taking and what year was that 64 and in the book, it shares, uh, which I hadn't realized, how many amazing TV shows were launched that year. You want to care to share some of those amazing shows? Well, it was a it was a big year for a lot of uh, a lot of shows in the, in the in the mid '60s. There was a very interesting thing going on with comedic television sitcoms. Uh, a lot of non reality based shows were very popular. Uh, I did a My Favorite Martian. I did two Mister Eds. I did an I Dream a Genie. I never did a Bewitched, but those types of shows were very, very popular in the family sitcom era where people just wanted to come home from work and watch something that would make them giggle and entertain themselves for the whole family. It was very, very good stuff. There was a lot of Westerns as well. There were still your lawyers and your doctor shows. But these, this particular genre of in the mid-60s came and went very quickly, but it really um, was very popular. And The Munsters was probably the most unusual of that camp. Um, and, you know, Mr. Ed Talking Horse was pretty out there. <laughs> but the, the concept was non-reality-based shows and great comedy writing with good, with good comedy stars. Were, uh, were, uh, there was a lot of talent in the talent pool. So you saw a lot of A-list comedians early in their career come through the likes of, you know, um, oh, my God, we had Frank Gorshin. We had Paul Lind. You know, we had Don Rickles. Uh, so cool. Paul Lind played a dentist, right? In they, they, no, he played the family doctor, Dr. Dudley. Oh, okay. Mm. Yeah, he, he's hilarious. <laughs> some of the some of the funniest stuff you ever would want to read. In, in fact, we used to read our scripts on Monday morning, and uh, even I would read it. I go, "This is going to be one funny scene. This is just because the way Fred would play his character, and then the time the, the time we're sitting in the waiting room, and he looks out to see, look at me, and I got a paper bag over my head, and he goes, "Oh my goodness!" He goes, "If Mister Mister Munster's face wasn't bad enough, imagine what he would look like if they have to cover it with a paper bag." <laughs> so that's awesome. And, Good stuff going on. And, um, and anyway, so I had a very cool career. I started in 60. I worked till 70, uh, 74. And the 60s in general, as you mentioned, a lot of talent came out and a lot of TV shows came out. But you forgot a little on the other side of the coin. The music scene was happening. And a little, a little group called the Beatles crossed the pond in 64 and oh, appeared group. on and uh, led in uh, quite a British invasion of music as well. So it was a good time to be around uh, creative stuff. And you got to meet a lot of those people? The Beatles actually came to the set the day I was off and um, very, uh, very trying for me to come to work the next day and find that out. <laughs> I was not a happy. 
<laughs> Butch, wasn't there some story like somebody actually like stayed in your room or slept on your cot or something rumor, like that? As I understand it, how, how it came to be, you know, this is as I've been told, and this is 50 some seven years later, as I understand it, because of the security issues that they had, with that I do believe, that we had big dressing rooms on the studio lot. My dressing room was next to Marlon Brando's because it was a big one bedroom dressing room because I used it as a schoolroom as well. So as I understand it, they may have stayed on the studio lots for security reasons and everybody would have stayed in one of the bungalows. My joke was I probably got Ringo in my room. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope that this is going to make up for that day that you did not get to meet the Beatles personally. We have a book called the birthday book of celebrities, influencers, and positive leaders. And of course your birthday is August 2nd and there you are. And the Beatles basically wanted me to give you this as a present as a little thank you and a little apology. If you would acknowledge it. Hey, now I'm going to, I'm going to recreate the Ed Sullivan show. (laughs) 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 So there was another, uh, I I mean, if my uh, recollect is correct, uh, the Adams family came out in 64 as well. Excuse me. Did the Adams family come out in 64 as well? Yes, they did. They came out on Friday. Uh, we were September 24th. They came out on Friday, September 18th. And we, we, were, we did 70 episodes. They did 63 episodes, I believe. Uh, we both ran simultaneously, which is another interesting thing that had never occurred in television history at that point. Probably still hasn't, unless you want to call Lost in Space and Star Trek sim, you know, similar shows. But the fact that the Adams Family and the Munsters both were on uh, it was friendly competition and a rivalry that helped each other because whether you preferred one or the other or you had a favorite, there's a very good chance you watched us both. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I yeah. have that pinball machine as well. <laughs> <laughs> this is an interesting thing about the Munsters. The Munsters has, is a very, very popular merchandise show over the years. I mean, they, they made so much money off licensing of that show. And the, one of the reasons for that is, for instance, you were talking about the, uh, the pinball machine. But a lot of people don't know there was a Munster's uh, slot machine that came out about 18 years ago. IGT, which was the biggest uh, slot machine manufacturer in the world, used the Munster's as their test show to see if uh, TV shows would draw people to the machines to get them to play. And they used the Munster's as their test show. And to this day, it's the most successful slot machine of all time. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you walk through Vegas, you see the monsters. You see it and the old goody and it led to all the other ones that you see related to TV shows all started because the, they tested it on the monsters and it became it was it was actually in rotation for damn near 15 years. It just kind of the last five years is you have to look pretty hard to find one in some obscure spots. Well, one of my favorite uh, movies that came out many years later was uh, My Cousin Vinny. And I got the pleasure of seeing Mr. Judge Fred Gwynn. And that was pretty close to the time of his passing. Is that correct? Yeah, last role. Um, he was pretty pretty ill at the time. Uh, he died of pancreatic cancer. And uh, it's, it, I'm glad you brought that up because one of the things that a lot of people say, oh, what do you attribute the longevity of the show to? You know, why, you know, why is it still so popular? Well, there's, there's a lot of reasons, but one of them is you had some extremely talented people in the cast. And I'm not speaking of me. I'm talking about Fred, Al, and Yvonne, the people that were, you know, running the, the, the family unit who were in charge of the, you know, setting the tone every day and, and working the most hours. Fred was a remarkable actor. 
really, really good actor, as was Yvonne and Al for, Al, for that matter. I mean, everybody's got their favorite. It's like a distinctive, oh, I like Herman, but I love Grandpa, or I love Lily, or I love Daddy. But the show had very strong production values top to bottom. It had strong scripts. It was done at Universal, who had the best monster sets of all time. They had the best, you know, the, the cobwebbing and the makeup people and the special effects people. So they had this incredible Universal monster look that they applied to Leave It to Beaver type scripts from a very successful production team of Conley and Mosier, mushed them together and came up with this great little two-year show that just caught everybody's fancy. I think it's remarkable the story that I wasn't anticipating you saying that uh, you, you just didn't have a babysitter that day <laughs> and you end up get a photo and it's shown in a window. That is just really cool. It's, it's one of those things where the cosmos, the planets align for whatever reason it was meant to happen. And, uh, and then and, and another thing, my family wasn't even living in Los Angeles at the time. I had to hire somebody to take me to work. I moved in with my uncle. There was a lot of, a lot of, <laughs> factors had to come into play to make that all make that all come together what would your mom and dad think my mom loved it you know she was married she had married a baseball player who was was with the angels when um i was about eight and then during his career he got traded to the washington senators is how i wound up going to illinois Uh, they went all the way to the east coast i stopped in illinois with my grandmother and that's why the west coast there was nobody out here so when i flew out they told me make arrangements. Don't go back to the airport. You know, we got to report to work on Tuesday. So it was like, Oh, this is like Saturday. What am I supposed to do? So, and that's, that's how it came to be quick, hire somebody to take him to work and then get, you know, let him sleep on Woody's couch. <laughs> do you, are you familiar with the city Galesburg, Galesburg, Illinois or Peoria? Uh, yeah. Well, uh, uh, um, Geneseo is about 20 miles North of Moline. Yes. Quad cities. Right. My dad, uh, taught at Knox College in Gillsburg, and so we were familiar with that city. He, he had to okay. venture up to Moline and a couple other cities, uh, cities to do uh, ROTC teaching. Yeah. yeah, I loved it there. I really did. I had a great time, and I, and I, I lived there for uh, about a year, and then I also went, I went out to do the Munsters when I came back. My grandma had moved from Geneseo to Macon, Missouri, another small town, and I lived there. Yeah. In the- so I think, that, I think those experiences had a good effect on me by allowing me to have the balance of the big city, LA, Hollywood stuff. And then also the small town taking the bus to school and having regular friends. And to this day, I mean, I just sold the house that I, my grandma's house. I bought a few years ago to save, which I did. And then um, I was connecting with a lot of people still living in these small towns. They never, you know, they never leave. They just, this is where they grew up. This is their home. This is their family. This is their farm. And many of them are still there. It was kind of fun to go back, you know, 45, 50 years later and uh, check in on them. So when you moved to these small towns, what was it like to be a kid again, going to school? I mean, were you treated like a celebrity? I can't imagine. It was normal. Not not so much in the small towns. They were pretty much, you know, like they weren't impressed, which is fine. That's exactly what I was. That's exactly how I wanted it. All I wanted to do was be accepted and be a regular kid which they allowed me to do a lot. So um, the Hollywood, the, the city here in Los Angeles, it, was, it had a little bit more of a difficult adjustment, but it, uh, it, it wasn't anything we couldn't handle. You just got to sort of allow them to vent their curiosity and then um, let, let them know that you're not biting at the, at the taunts <laughs> and, and go about your business. 
Well, one thing uh, I've heard, at least, uh, about child actors is that they're, they're thrown into the adulthood experience so quick that they can, you know, not really enjoy one childhood, but two, also be brought into, I guess, adult decisions that can either hamper, hurt, or cause them to not have the right perspective of where they want to go in direction. Any comments on that? You betcha. Um, I used to speak and teach at, at a uh, seminar called How to Get Into Show Business the Right Way for a good friend of mine who um, was a casting director in Cleveland and saw that a lot of these professional Barbizon and John Powers and these people that would advertise to show you how to get into movies, give us $2,500, you know, and, and, and she worked for him and she was very, very disenchanted about how they weren't doing what they say they were going to do. So she decided to do her own deal and she brought me in to help be a spokesperson. And then I wound up directing a lot of the screen tests that we did. And I really enjoyed it. But one of the things it was difficult to explain and you had to do this was it's not for everybody. It's, it's a, it's a case by case situation. It can be fine. It's not, it's, it's not a guarantee um, negative situation, but everything that can possibly go wrong gets amplified. And if, unless you have thick skin and you're up for some rejection to because most people don't get lucky. Like I did, i you know, I, I got my first job and I got my second job and my third job. That's not how, that's not the norm. So mm -hmm. I explained to them that, the best advice I could give them was um, if they enjoy acting and this is what they li like, they like, you know, dressing up or they like interacting and they want to do it, you know, let them do it by all means, but don't instill a, a career motive into them. Let them know they're doing it because they enjoy it and it's fun. And then if it becomes a career, wow, that's awesome too. But at the same time, if it doesn't, everything they've learned in acting can be helpful and beneficial in everyday life as far as communication skills and interacting and just, you know, being part of a team because, you know, when you're acting, you're part of a cast and you're relying on each other. So not everybody's good at football or baseball. So this, this can be anytime you're um, interacting with other people and the, these things that you're learning can be helpful. I would just say you just, as long as they're doing it for, not for the parent, don't be shoving them into it because you want to live vicariously through your kid. And there, there were some heated conversations with that over parents. <clears throat> yeah, I, I imagine um, an autobiography of Lincoln's political career or Thomas Edison's trial and tribulations making the light bulb and uh, <laughs> Colonel Sanders with Kentucky Fried Chicken would be good fodder for someone that actually needs to understand the long game because you could be a phenomenal actor as, uh, as an adult and never have made it as a kid. I'm sure there's plenty of examples of that. Yeah, it's, it's, it, it's just, it's a case-by-case -case situation. Uh, the industry itself, it's not to blame, in my opinion. It really isn't. Uh, you know, you, it doesn't come and get you. You seek it out, and, or occasionally an accidental situation. But most of the time, they protect kids pretty well. Um, the parents are there a lot. A lot of times, the parents can be more of a, more of a, a loose liability than this industry itself. Mm -hmm. But, like, it's, there's a lot of contributing factors. So there's no, there's no one right and wrong so for our audience that has not seen the monsters and i'm not saying that we have anyone that would listen to this show that has not seen the monsters that's first and foremost we're not admitting <laughs> that but um would you share one of your favorite personal um that you just could not believe how funny it was that we could uh, put a link to one of my favorite stories from the Munsters. Uh, well, one of your favorite episodes so they could actually oh, view it oh, several, all that. there there are some really <coughs> excuse me there's, there are some real gems there. Um, one of my favorites is a uh, episode called Zombo, where yeah. <laughs> I was 
you're talking about funny guest stars and, you know, really good talent. Louis Nye guest as a TV host um, that I was enamored with that I thought was a real guy. And I won a contest to go visit him at his studio. Herman's very jealous of me because I'm giving all my attention to Zombo and Herman wants to be, you know, my idol and, you know, my, my hero. <laughs> so as I, uh, when we go to the studio, I find out that Zombo is not Zombo. He's just an actor and I'm very disenchanted and, and you know, I'm not buying into this at all. And I, that's one of the funniest lines in the whole script is I'm walking around, I'm looking at his set and I go, mom, what's wrong with Zombo's house? It's all crummy. And it, it, the producer comes there and goes, what do you mean, Eddie? He goes, well, I go, isn't there anything real around here? And the guy goes, real? <laughs> it's television, Eddie. Nothing's real. <laughs> I just, it was very, it was a very funny, ironic situation that I then <laughs> proceeded to expose Zombo as the fake that I thought he was. Um, that's one of my favorite. <laughs> Hot Rod Herman, where we went to the drag race, yeah. lost the car and came home on the bus and grandpa built the Dragula because I had a huge love affair with George Barris and his cars and all the stuff. My favorite scenes would always be when the Munster coach was included because I'm an 11 year old kid building the models at home. And here I am uh, able to ride around in the model that I just built on national television, <laughs> which is a pretty cool thing. And then now yeah. I'll plug up number three with Eddie's nickname featuring Dr. Dudley, Paul Lind and um, a nine. A t well, I played nine, an 11 year old kid with a full beard. It's just funny. Look at it. And the, and the storyline was very cute as well. And I, had, I was not asking this question, but you said a story, a story, and you were pondering, is there a story you want to share that is maybe not uh, something we can view as an episode, but something that you want to just entertain us with? No, not really. We had a, we were Universal Studios. There was a lot of interesting things going on at Universal Studios at that time. Um, anybody who's been there, they probably know they had a tour. Well, we were the first year, we were there the first year they, inter they introduced the tour to the to the world so we um it was interesting that the tour was so important to them that when we were on the back lot without a sound stage so the sound you know if the plane went over we had to stop or if there was any loud noises we had to stop well we would be outside and we would hear the tour coming the, the guy in the microphone and over to your left if you look over you'll see the monsters and we all have to stop and wave at the tram <laughs> do its business disappear into the sound bite and then pick up where we left off <laughs> That's what the studio felt about the tram. Now, fast forward 55 years later, Universal CityWalk at the top of the mountain is one of the most successful, megalosical, you know, TV movie places in the world. And when we were doing that, the top of the hill was a one. It was so funny. It was one little makeup chair with a little soda pop and a, a, a little porta potty and Mike Westmore. <laughs> <laughs> As his apprenticeship, he would go up there and do a makeup demonstration. I mean, this is like Mike Westmore, the world's like greatest makeup man. He'd huh. make me in the morning. I'd go to work. He'd go up to the top of the hill, do his little demonstration for the tour. And then he'd go back into the lab and make the pieces for the next day, the phone, you know, phone number for Herman's head, my ears, and this and that. And, and that's how Mike started his day some, some 55 years ago. So <laughs> it, it was a daily routine for him to make the, the head and everything? Yep. Wow. Can't mass produce it? Mm -hmm. That was, I was I was reading his chapter in my book the other day because I was just uh, was talking to Mackenzie about her his her dad 
And I went back to freshen up a couple things. And yeah, that, 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 that one of my favorite chapters is when I went to his house and took pictures with him and all his Emmys and his Oscar. And we chatted about, I, I idolized Mike as West, Westmore. I was, uh, I thought he was, he was a bachelor and he was good looking. And he drove a Jaguar and came to work with an ascot. He just, he just like was the coolest guy. That's yeah, I was trying fun. to find a real, I was trying to find it real quick in the book because you, you have Zombo well, Why don't here. we go to break and then why don't we go to break? It, and when Let's... we come back, maybe we can show that off. That's yeah. a good idea. And here's the book again for you, yeah. those of you who want to pick one up. And uh, uh, we want to again thank the Umbrella Syndicate, the Red Carpet Connection, Perfect Publishing, MyMakeupLady.com, Voice America Influencers Channel, MenFashion.com. And we will be back after these messages. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. The Umbrella Syndicate amplifies good causes, good people, and good messages. They offer a suite of services that help people and businesses gain better exposure. Through working with the Umbrella Syndicate, you gain the ability to reach an audience of 50,000 unique people a week. They have recently reached over 20,000 followers on Facebook. You can view their photography and how they use it as a strong promotional tool on their Facebook fan page, facebook.com slash The Umbrella Syndicate. Show them your support by liking their page. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. This is Amplify. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. We also would love to hear from you via email to info at UmbrellaSyndicate.com. Now, back to Amplify. And hi, we're back. This is Dr. Andrea Adams-Miller, executive producer for Amplified with Ken Rashawn. And we have our guest today, Butch Patrick, a.k.a. Eddie Munster. And uh, Ken was just showing some great pictures uh, during our break from one of the books that we have out that uh, Butch Patrick has out about uh, Michael Westmore, who was the gentleman who made Eddie Eddie every morning, or Butch Eddie, I should say. So uh, very exciting. And back to you, Ken. Well, I just want to congratulate you for a fantastic book. I, you know, when I get these books, sometimes it's a daunting read. This was very enjoyable. Uh, knocked the whole thing out in an hour. It was, uh, it was fun. It was, uh, you had all the memorabilia that you would wish to connect with the words and the story. So uh, bravo to you for making what I consider a, a wonderful mini coffin, coffin table book, right? <laughs> you know, it was funny. I uh, timed that to come out. 50 years to the day, September 24th, 2014. And I had the Rich Marizio who put it together, um, did a wonderful job, rushed what would have been a year and a half project into about eight months to make sure we had the target date. And the, the book itself, Munster Memories, came about from people sharing fond memories with me. They would just walk up and they would say, you know, I used to watch this show with great memories, like my grandfather or grandma or my favorite uncle would watch it. It was, he loved it. And, I, there, and then I, it started coming to me that how important is it to have uh, an extended family of people that you've never met that you, they feel like you're part of their living room. I mean, it's even though you're coming through the TV screen to them, you're part of their, their, their childhood in a good way. 
So it's one of those deals to where people say, don't you ever get tired of going out and meeting people or you know, people asking the same questions or this and that? And I tell them, honestly, I go, no, but, and I go, and here's why. I go, all I really have to do is show up, suit up, show up, and be cordial and pleasant to these people. And they do the rest because you have been part of their life and a, and a very important part, and you make their day a better, a better one simply by sharing some moments and memories that they have. I mean, it's literally in, in the, in the, where the world is today, anybody that has the ability to go out and share and interact a little bit and have someone be very, very happy, keep smiling, exactly, is a very blessed person and very lucky. So in that respect, you know, it's like it's in a, in a wonderful life. Anybody has friends as a rich guy. Well, then I must be a really wealthy guy because I've got an incredible stable of friends that I'm very blessed about it. And, I, and, I, and it's in my gratitude list on a daily basis. Well, you held the key smiling card and you were certainly one of those people that we were so excited that we were able to show the world because when we give the card to someone, there's mm -hmm. not, any, I don't think there's any confusion, but just to make sure it's clear, we are giving the card to honor them that they mm -hmm. bring smiles to the world because they're always actually being a positive force. And I want to give you, a, I think, a, a reasonably big gift, but on this page, one of the first pages in your book, yeah. it says... This book is an unauthorized edition and is intended to educate the readers about the television show and celebrate its 50 years. And I want to tell you, with the powers I have, I am authorizing this book. So you now can change that to it is an authorized book. So little legalities we have to go through in the world to make <laughs> all the powers that be happy. <laughs> NBC <laughs> of course, of course. Well, it, it is a great book. And uh, since Andrea did interview you and she got a little more in-depth of your story, I don't want to leave anything out in this precious hour we have together. This is our, our final uh, 27 minutes with the rapid fire. So, Andrea, if you'd like to share a couple of cue points, the enjoyment of your interview. Um, yeah. So, you know, uh, what I really loved about interviewing with you, Butch, is um, you, you I just felt like I've been talking to you and known you my whole life. And, and ironically, I, I have. <laughs> Uh, we still watch the monsters. Um, we don't have cable vision where I, I live. And uh, I, I just made that sound like we live in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> but we don't, we, we live in the country. And so being able to watch the episodes, it's so fun, you know, like it, there's so many that I loved. And what I loved about hearing your story is those little special moments that were important to you and hearing you giggle and laugh about the things that you remembered, like the story of missing the Beatles, uh, uh, that's why I'd asked you to share that one. Will you share um, another one or two of the stories of of things that like like maybe when um, Lily, when you had the switch out with Lily from one Lily to the next? Well, no, I didn't switch out. I only worked with Yvonne DiCarlo. Now we had Marilyn's. We we switched Marilyn's. You might be. Oh, that's what I meant. Thank you. you. Might be, okay, you might be referencing the, the. I was very sad about that. Nothing against Pat Priest, but I had a huge crush on Beverly Owen. I mean, it was like. <laughs> It was like, I don't care if the Munster coach showed up. As long as Beverly was there, I was a happy camper. And she was very sweet and very kind. And she actually went way beyond uh, over and above um, the Call of Duty one day. We're on a Saturday, her day off. She actually drove her Volkswagen from Hollywood all the way down to Gardena, 20-some-odd miles, picked me up, drove all the way back to Hollywood, and took me to go see Mary Poppins. So oh, she was my first date and um, setting the bar very high. Uh, and that was the sweetness. The sweetness was. So I really 
missed her when she went home, but I also knew that she was very unhappy in the role and she wanted, you know, she was homesick. It had nothing to do with being Maryland. It just was the fact that unfortunately she, her heart was in New York and this job was in LA and it just was very difficult for her to go to work every day. So Fred and Al uh, made arrangements with the producers to let her uh, go back to New York and Pat Priest stepped in and did a wonderful job. And a lot of people, unless they're true Munster fans, a lot of people weren't aware that there was even a change of Maryland's because it was a pretty seamless change. Unlike, Dick York and Dick Sargent in Bewitched when you immediately go, hey, that's not, that's not. <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah. I wanted to ask you about um, the fact that the Adams Family became the, you know, a movie and it became this, uh, it became a Pixar sensation. Do you think that's going to happen with the Munsters? Well, uh, Rob Zombie is in production right now with the Munsters movie. 20 years, he, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, 20 years, he pursued getting the licensing, and he finally achieved it. Uh, the Munsters was remade. We did Munster Go Home. They did the Munsters Revenge. They did Here Come the Munsters. They did a series called The Munsters Today. They did A Scary Little Christmas. So it, 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 hit, <clears throat> it has been done. But the one thing the, the, the Munsters led on over the Adams Family was the merchandising and toys. It was, it was a huge juggernaut as far as the, uh, the licensing and monies. And you would hear the Munsters theme. But, you know, it's not like the Adams Family to name with the, you know, the clicking of the, uh, the snapping of the fingers is pretty much a, a sports stadium staple, you know. Yes. That so both of them had very strong footprints and branding into society. Uh, the actors you know from back then or have grown up with, you stay in touch with them? And who are some of your uh, lifelong friends? Well, somewhat. Um, I didn't grow up in the Hollywood area, so I kind of just would see them occasionally when we would work together. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Bill, Mo- Bill Mooney comes to mind, who's a good good friend. For, you know, and he was actually, it's funny, ironic that he was supposed to be Eddie Munster, and he went on to do Lost in Space, and we're, and we're good friends. Um, Places like the Hollywood show where I'll be this weekend, or it's a wonderful place to catch up every couple of years for friends from days gone by, um, which is fine. I do that. And um, I went to high school with the Cow Sills. Really? Still dear friends of mine. Yeah, they're from New England, right? Yeah, I went to school with John, Susan, uh, Barry, and Paul. Uh, Barry was in my grade. We lost Barry 16 years ago in Katrina. And... um, but Susan actually sang at my wedding. I'm very, I just did a, uh, a podcast for them. They'll be airing day after tomorrow. So yeah, it's fun. We, um, we have a, a really cool fraternity of, um, of kid actors. Uh, Paul Peterson does great work for a minor consideration, which is a very active um, um, watchdog committee in Hollywood that keeps, uh, keeps tabs on kids that are uh, not being you know, treated the way they should. And unfortunately, in this day and age, there's a lot of that going on. Well, um, and uh, the cow sills, uh, Ken, um, I did tell uh, Butch that we had photographed them for the Keep Smiling card and shared that with him. So <clears throat> I had asked if it would be um, appropriate at some point if he might be willing to introduce them to me so that I could surprise you uh, with the show. So we'll see how it, that pans out. Isn't it crazy how diverse their music was? I mean, they were all over the place from folk to just just huge hits that uh, were a little more in your face. So amazing group. Super talent. A lot of talent. Well, I know that um, you're probably going to ask this after the show. And uh, so I'm just going to say yes right now. You, you want me to be your personal photographer at the Hollywood show um, and follow you around <laughs> and get those photos of you with all your 
actor <laughs> friend. So I, I of course will be happy to, but okay. Thank you. <laughs> well, and, 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 and if, and grovel, if Ken's grovel. not able to, and if Ken's not able to make it, um, I will be there. So, <laughs> oh, that's true. So, yeah, so I'm going. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, that would be. Uh, it'll be fun. So I'm. Because uh, you need a volume two. You need a volume two uh, table table book, coffee table book. Butch and his friends. That's what we need. Yeah. <laughs> well, we could just do but, a keep smiling, Butch and friends. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm excited. Um, in fact, who else is going to be there that day, Butch? Because um, I uh, was so excited about coming and meeting you. I didn't even look to see who else was going to be there. There's a long list. and it would, I wouldn't do it justice by speaking up. Uh, I, I, I'm pretty sure uh, Jerry Mathers and Tony Dow will be there, which is fun because obviously Leave it to Beaver was done by the same people that did the Munsters. There's a there's a long list of people. You have uh, Paula Tricky will be there from Pacific Blue, friend of mine coming in from the East Coast. Um, I, I I wish I had the list in front of me. I don't, but there's a, I would say there's probably going to be at least sixty to seventy celebs there. Oh, I didn't realize that many. I will. Well, we wouldn't even if you had the list. Fully charged. <laughs> but even if you had the list, which we wouldn't allow you to read it because we have so many other questions and we wanted. Oh. Yeah. deeper i mean that would take up what five minutes we can't allow that so um after the monsters what, what yep. was life like when you left what would you want to do after that uh well i was still in the acting mode you know i went back to mm -hmm. public school seventh grade um continued staying busy went over to disney which is kind of like the gold standard for kid actors and i spent a, a year over there and then i did the monkey's christmas show which was like my top thing to do at the time because it sort of made up for uh, not the Beatles <laughs> um, did a year and a half with Chuck Jones doing a feature film called the Phantom Toll Booth which was an award-winning book that Chuck had turned into a uh, live action and animated and live action movie um, so I worked with him for a year and a half and all the voiceover people that I that I was you know watching cartoons and listening to their voices I got to work with them you know face to face that was pretty exciting um, the lid that led up into the summer of 69, where it was a very exciting year. I got my driver's license. People landed on the moon. I had a girlfriend up in Laurel Canyon at the time. Unfortunately, that particular summer, Charlie Manson was running amok. And then, uh, in September of that year, I, I, I got a movie part that sent me to Brazil for three months without a teacher and without a, without a parent. I was on my own in, uh, in uh, another You're country. You're how old? I had just turned 16. Mm. So um, I went down there and did my movie, but at the same time, it, it kind of opened the door for some bad behavior because, you know, when you're out of the country, you can get away with doing a lot of stuff that you may not be able to get away with up here, which I took full advantage of. Oh, uh, never missed a day of work, did everything I was supposed to do, was responsible during the day and irresponsible at night. And then by the time I got back right before Christmas, um, things had changed. And you got to remember, this is 1969 in Hollywood. It was all rock and roll. It was all smoke and dope. It was a whole very different world than we are in now. So mm -hmm. kind of how I sort of wound up getting out of the movie business because I found my priorities were a little askew. And all I really wanted to do was go to the beach and surf and drive my vet and, uh, and get high. Mm -hmm. A lot of people, unfortunately. Well, take, take us through the rest of your journey of how you've created who you are. 
because well, 69 certainly was a psychedelic time and it would be yeah. a surprise for anyone that wasn't impacted uh, that was in that area. So well, that's well, a and you, you just celebrated uh, 11 years, 11. What, what was the celebration date? Let me let me set this up for you a little bit. When I was up in San Francisco doing the Phantom Tollbooth, I was just turning, I was about 14 and a half. And we were at the corner of Haight-Ashbury. Now, you got to remember, this is San Francisco in 68, early 68. This is like ground zero of the psychedelic world. I mean, this is like, you know, this is peace, love, psychedelics, blotter acid, um, sugar cubes. It, it couldn't have been any more crazy psychedelic period of your life mm-hmm. well in, in my bedroom is psychedelic posters black lights i had every kind of light in my room except a normal light it was i had a cult <laughs> i i had it was just crazy it was it was such a great time i mean it really was I, I i wouldn't trade my my adolescence and my youth for anything but as my sister at my first year ceremony when i got my chip she kind of coined it really really well she goes you left for Brazil as Richie Cunningham, and in three months you came back as John Lennon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that oh goodness! Comes up how my attitude can happen in a very fast spirit. You, know, you have to have you, you sort of have to be that person to begin with. It doesn't really make it happen unless you're already there inside. I just all I wanted to do ever since Woodstock was have long hair, smoke weed, and be a hippie. That was what, that was my calling. That's what I wanted to do, and I did it. So. Fast forward 40 some odd years of, of existence, um, functioning as a, a alcoholic, drug addict, whatever you want to call it. It is what it is. And 11 years ago, I was lucky enough to, or it, they found me or I found them, however it came to be. But uh, my greater, my higher power saw fit for me to find a place called the Oasis Treatment Center out in Anaheim near Disneyland. Mm-hmm. I flew from Philadelphia. Uh, October, excuse me, November 21st of 2010 and um, checked in, you know, thought I'd stay a couple of weeks. One thing led to another. Two or three years later, I'm, you know, going to speaker meetings. I'm telling people how to stay sober. And I went from the avoid that guide, you know, instead of being the designated, instead of being the designated driver, I was the drunk driver. So, who would have thought that in two years people would be coming to me for advice and it's a pretty good feeling. So now here we are 11 years since the day I checked in and uh, still sober. That's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. And uh, uh, the big, by far the biggest achievement of my life. And I, I will segue from that achievement to what is going to be your biggest achievement for 2022? Well, one day at a time, just keeping it going. Yeah. But you have, uh, I have an opportunity to, um, there's a gentleman, I, I was hired in October to come through and do a Halloween appearance at a place called Indiana Beach, which is a theme park uh, between uh, Detroit, Chicago, and Indianapolis. It's Northern Indiana on Lake Schaefer. It's a very cool 97-year-old amusement park that a local businessman who went there as a kid saved from, uh, Eminent, eminent demise. They were going to bulldoze it down and it was going to fall by the wayside. And I got there and I liked it so much and I liked what they were doing that I told them, I said, you know, if you would allow me, I would love to be associated with this park to come back and utilize everything that I've learned and known about being me for the last 60 years. 
we could apply to this park because it has a ballroom. With, I mean, it had the music scene in the 40s and 50s from the big bands to the, to the Who, to Alice Cooper, to the Beach Boys. I mean, everybody who was in the circuit played at this place. So I'm also working with a, with a, a gentleman called um, Dave Bishop, who's got classic reruns TV. And I did a Halloween special for him. So I've integrated his channel and this park to merge um, and l allow me to bring my Munster cars and my Dragula and everything, come onto the park property and become sort of like the park promotional media celebrity booker. And um, they're actually going to, they're going to brand their new roller coaster with a Munsters or a monster theme of sorts to give me a host. So I think I'm going to be, um, I think for the next three years, I'm going to be associated with this theme park. And he since has bought two more. So <laughs> wouldn't it be cool to be, uh, I mean, I was actually lucky enough to meet Walt Disney when I was seven years old at Disneyland, you know, Cool. So it would be so cool to be able to, um, again, smiling faces, happy people, nostalgia driven, um, you know, $40 a head. You can get into a theme park and spend all day long and not have to worry about your kids. That's kind of an unusual situation in this day and age. So I'm looking forward to working with Indiana Beach um, and see where it leads. Awesome. Well, we're going to jump over to the rapid fire we promised you and okay. it's going it's to be fast. Are you ready? Cool. Buckle in. <laughs> All right. What is a, a book that changed your life? Uh, probably How to Win Friends and Influence People or Think and Grow Rich, one of the two. You know, that's got to be the magnet answer for anyone that goes to Secret Knock. I don't think anyone's deviated from it, either be one or the other or both at the same time. Yeah. So. <laughs> All right, Andrea. Well, what's a song that really gets you jazzed up? The song that you want to get you moving? Oh, God, almost any up, upscale Beatles song. But um, if I, when I used to be driving the, uh, up and down the streets and, and street racing, it was be Deep Purple, Highway Star. Nice. And that was around that psychedelic period, too. Not 70, <laughs> wasn't it? <laughs> um, and what's a movie that inspires you? 2001. Cool. Love the movie. And Ken, for sake of time, why don't you go ahead? Okay. Um, what is, a, what is a quote you live by? Good orderly direction. That's my mantra. G-O-D. Good orderly direction. And I, this is not ex, uh, to tempt you with an expanded answer, but keys to my castle, any uh, meaning to that? That is my sister's company. I'm up in her office and uh, keys to my castle. She actually, uh, this is one of her, she has a key like this as well. And she also has my AA Keys, but Michelle's company, she's a very big supporter of my sobriety, and she comes to a lot of shows. She'll be there uh, this weekend. Oh. With her we'll get her picture then, too. Incredibly cool line of uh, keys to my castle. It's uh, front door uh, jewelry that she makes and sells to people because uh, she hated the idea of these generic keys. Because when she was a little girl, she used to go with my grandmother and they would, used to have keys that were very ornate and, you know, big, big keys. And she then has recreated that feel of nice. keys gone by from the old days. Awesome. Well, Butch, Eddie, thank you so much for spending an hour with us. I hope this was uh, a different type of interview for you, but uh, we really loved you sharing. And you certainly are one of our heroes and someone that actually exemplifies what we're trying to show in a dose of hope that there is hope every single day and, and you it's your job to choose it so thank you for being an inspiring leader and andrea if you will please give a little shout out to some of our sponsors 
Yes. Again, thank you, Voice America Influencers Channel, for uh, hosting us today with Butch Patrick. And again, I'm Dr. Andrea Adams-Miller, Executive Producer, and our host, Dr. Smiley, Dr. Ken Rashan, The Umbrella Syndicate, Perfect Publishing, The Red Carpet Connection, menfashion.com. And uh, we want you to remember the keepsmilingmovement.com. And Butch, what is your website so we can get that in there? Uh, well, we can use Munsters.com or was the best one, and that leads to everything. Good. Super. Well, thank you again, Butch. You've been amplified. We look forward to seeing you again real soon. Thanks, kids. We hope you've enjoyed this week's edition of Amplified. Be sure to join Ken Rashad again next Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Now, go get your message heard.